Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind, where we'll be reviewing some of the forgotten and some unforgettable moments to have ever taken place in the ring. I'm Simon Maguire, and on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined as ever by boxing writer for the Irish Sun, Kevin Byrne, and by US Olympic heavyweight bronze medalist turned trainer, Nate Jones. Welcome to the show, Nate. I'm doing good, but how y'all doing today? Nate, we, we have you on the show today to talk about maybe the influence uh, over you that your coach, Tom O'Shea, had who sadly died in April of COVID-19. Now, I believe Tom O'Shea was influential in bringing you kind of almost from the projects to the podium at the Olympic Games, where you ultimately won a bronze medal, a heavyweight for the USA at Atlanta 96. Uh, and my condolences on uh, Tom's passing, by the way. Yes. Well, just, you know, meeting Tom O'Shea, you know what I mean, growing up in Cabrini Green, you know, you grew up seeing a lot of bad things, a lot of shootings, a lot of killings, losing family members, losing friends to violence. And um, one day the Chicago Chicago Park District started opening a boxing program at the Shore Park, which was right across the street from the project I grew up in. And I go over there one day, and I meet this white guy who started a boxing program. And the guy fell in love with me instantly. He seen me move around and said, you know, like, man, how old are you? I said, I'm eight, I'm eight years old. He was like, you have a box before? I said, no. He said, I don't believe you. I said, okay. He said, call your mom's house. And I guess he, he had the phone at the inside of the gym. I called my mom, and he asked my mom, and she said, no. She said, um, no, he never boxed before. He said, kid, you're special. He said, you, he said, you're a natural. And from that point on, at eight years old, I, didn't, I couldn't understand what the word natural means. I thought he was a kind of query, like, what are you saying, natural? Like, you're special. I'm like, okay. I couldn't understand, and I was really leery of him. But through the years, you know, of, um, I lost, when I first started boxing, I lost my first eight fights, and I was going to quit. Only reason why I kept doing it, because Tom would take us to the restaurant, Church's Chicken, which is right across the street from, the box, from our boxing gym, and he would buy me two pieces of chicken every night, and I would fall in love with that. But I was 0-8. I was going to quit. 
And one day I was sitting in the car and I'm like, man, I said, I said this is my last one, man. I don't want to do it no more. He said, why? I said, I, I'm the only one with second place trophies. He said, name your special name. He said, stick with me. I promise you're going to be okay. And he convinced me to stick into it, and I did. And, you know, um, I started getting better and better. And then I won two years without losing up to a fight. I won every tournament in the nation. I won the silver gloves, the Junior Olympics. I won all that. And then I became, like, one of the top fighters in the nation at 12, at, like, 12 years old, at, like, 10, 11 years old. And I was very, you know, had a, a big future in boxing. But that boxing took me off the streets of Cabrini Green because, you know, I, I knew your friends joining games. You kind of, you kind of influenced to join. And but the gym is what kept me straight. Now, um, Tom O'Shea was one of the famous fighting O'Shea brothers, a family who moved from Dublin to Chicago in the uh, 1950s. Tom was only 13 years old when they moved, and. Uh, he didn't. He didn't want to pick up boxing or basketball or baseball at the time because the Americans had a leg up. And uh, the family, the boys had learned boxing from the Christian brothers back home, and uh, they decided to pick to go into that. They trained under Tony Zale, who had a famous rivalry with Rocky Graziano back in the day. I'm sure you heard stories about that, Nate. Yes. And incredibly, all four brothers became Golden Gloves champions. Two yes. of the brothers. Brian and Rory went on to become professional fighters, but for Tom, who became a teacher in the inner city, a, t a teacher of English and a poet, amateur boxing was his calling. He won many titles, sent three boxers ultimately to the Olympic Games in 1996 as part of the Matadors USA, and I don't think he was ever knocked down in a 378 fights. He was a defensive master as a boxer, a bit like a guy you work with today, Floyd Mayweather. He was a He's the reason I was slick, because um, Tom O'Shea taught that type of style, that hard to be hit. Tom wasn't a big puncher. I was a better puncher than Tom, but Tom was very crafty, and he taught me that, and that's what that's what got me over the top. I was very known to be very crafty, hard to hit, but I was tough as nails. And, um, you know, um, O'Shea DNA is a part of me, because... Um, I trust in everything he told me in the ring. Anything he told me to do, I tried to do it, and I believe I could do it. And if he if he told me to do it, I tried it because he wouldn't tell me I trust his decision. He wouldn't tell me nothing that I think that would hurt me. So, um, you know, as far as staying focused on, like, like when I when I made my comeback from boxing, Tom was very instrumental because I I, I ended up messing my life up, ended up going to prison. For auto theft, and um, you know, you know, trying to stay away from the games and stay true to boxing. But when I went to prison for auto theft, I knew then how important Tom was with me, with me because through it all, he stood by my side. And him and my mom was my only visitors. Him and my mom was the only one that cared about me and showed me that they they loved me. And you know. He kept telling me, Nate, once you get out of here, you got to get out and get yourself back together. You can be champion of the world. And I'm like, okay. But I really didn't want to think I would do it. But when I came home, I, I wasn't home for two weeks, and I caught with some marijuana. And who came through? Why am I out of jail? Tom O'Shea. Who got me a lawyer? Tom O'Shea. 
Who told me that I give you a job at the gym? You can work, clean up the gym after you train. I give you a hundred dollars a week. I was like, okay, cool. I got some income coming in, so I did it. And um, I started getting in shape and training every day and cleaning the gym up, and I started loving it. I got my spirit back, and then I knew. Then I start. I said, okay, was, of course, let's get let's enter the Golden Gloves this year. So you got to fight for Quindle, the reigning. Golden Glove National Champion, who's from Chicago, Fred Quindo. So I said, okay. So I got in shape. I just knew everybody was telling me that I wasn't gonna, since my layoff, I wasn't going to be able to come back and beat Fred. But I just said, man, just tell me to tighten his boots up because it's going to be a long night. You better try. I'm coming. So after after beating Fred, I went on to the Nationals and won the Nationals. That's why I met Mayweather. We both we both ended up winning national Golden Gloves that year in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we was inseparable from that day. We became the best of friends, and um, you know, after my career ended, which ended in two thousand and one, I had a neurological situation. Um, I would periodically lose my balance or. My mom would tell me, like, she couldn't understand the word I said over the phone. She was the only one that came to me and said, babe, I can't understand nothing that you said on the phone anymore. And I was like, wow. And it hurt my heart, but she told me I, need, I should go get checked out. And so I called Don King, and Don King set up an appointment for me at Northwestern Hospital. And I started getting some checks done on my head. And they told me they see a lot of damage but I told him, I've never been knocked out. I've been knocked down. I said, well, you must have been doing this for a while. I said, I've been boxing since the age of eight. And um, they said, well, why don't you take a year off? And I decided, I, when they said that to me, I said, you know what, I'm going to retire. Because um, taking a year off, it must be something they seen. I'm just, you know, if it ends here, I won the bronze medal. I won the North American heavyweight belt. I was one tight, one shot. My next fight would have been fighting Crisco for the WBO Heavyweight Championship of the World. But I lost to Ramon Brewster. I said, well, if it ends here, it ends here. I won a bronze medal. I had a North American belt. My career is over. It's over. I said, I'm going to go into training. But it took me a while to get back into the gym because everybody thought I was brain dead, beat up. So when people see me again, they'll be like, man, it was hard to go back into the gym because I would have to answer a lot of questions and ask a lot of answer a lot of questions I didn't want to answer. But what got me started getting back in the gym and got my spirits up was Floyd called me because Ringside Magazine had put an article in the newspaper about me was going to retire. And I, and I said, I'm done. My career's over with. I'm done. And when Ringside put that article in the magazine, Mayweather seen it. And he called me one day and like, man, what's wrong with you, Nate? Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, man, the doctor said he's seen some damage in the back of my head, and, you know, I take a year off. And I said, no, I'm going to retire. And um, he said, man, Nate, you know, we cried on the phone a little bit. I cried a little bit. He didn't cry. But it touched my heart a little bit. He said, Nate, you're be a great trainer and you know boxing. Start working with me. Come up here to Vegas. He took me to Vegas, and that's where it started. I started remembering the things that mimic the things Roger used to do, mimic the things that Floyd, Big Floyd used to do. I remember the things some O'Shea used to say 
about to lean over jab and all that stuff, and I started getting my mind. It gave me a new life. I felt like I had something to fight for now. Okay, now I feel good about myself. Now, at first, I was depressed because my career was over. At, at 29 years old, my career was over. And I'm um, 28, 29. Um, but that, that gave me an action life because I didn't know what I was going to do. And when Flo, you know, Floyd gave me that little, maybe you know boxing very well. I'm like, I do know boxing very well. I'm like, yeah, I can be a great trainer. I mean, let me get into this stuff. I started getting home and finally went learning the game. And now people consider me as one of the best trainers in the world. And, um, you know, it all, it all started from meeting that white guy, Tom O'Shea, 20 years ago at, at the gym. Think I was the, the prettiest thing, the baddest thing you've ever seen in his life. But, you know, I was leery of him because, you know, you and mom, Terry, you were leery of, no disrespect, but to white people, I was kind of leery, but. I'm seeing when I when I realized this man actually care about me. He actually like liked me. Like he actually wished the best for me. Like it was weird. And then it became this like that is my best friend. You know, he's one of he 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 was my best friend. Him and a guy named Bob Bassin and Floyd Mayweather. I consider and he really says pain. Them four people are my best friends, and I I keep them secret in my heart. And you know, I always love Tom. To the day I die, and he's been always been special to me. And I remember his family. I remember meeting his brother Brian, Rory, Patrick. I remember his daughter Colette. I remember coming to his house for barbecues. You know, I just remember. You know, he always been in my heart, and I always will miss him. You know, and I will always. I want to add Matador Boxing Club to the Nate Jones Foundation. So in the near future, I will be adding my foundation. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to work on having Nate Jones and, and actually collaborate if it's okay to use the Matador name. And that, that's what I would like to keep going for the rest of my training career is to have his name mentioned, Matador. So that, that will mean a lot to me. Because, Nate, I, I, read an, I read an anecdote about a teammate of yours named Anthony Stewart. And it's, uh, the anecdote is that he once hit two policemen and ended up spending a night in jail. And when he was pressed, to give, pressed by the officers to give the name of his father, he blurted out uh, Tom O'Shea. And he later said, I want to adopt him as my father and find a way for us to be together because I never saw my own father. He's the only one I know who has that much faith in me. And he's talking about he goes, he's stuck by Nate as well. Now, I believe you lost your father age 15 through a diabetic-related illness. Did, did you have the same situation as Anthony that you saw this guy as a second father? Or? Well, you know, I lost him. My, my father was a rolling stone. He would come by every now and then. I was, it was no permanent. Like my birthdays or Christmas, I, I may see him, I may not see him. And, you know, um, one day my father called us and told us he was in a veteran hospital. He just lost his leg. And he said he realized he wasn't me. I had a twin sister. She died in lupus right after I came home from the Olympics. Her name was Natalie Jones. She died in 1997 of lupus. So after I came home from the Olympics, I lost my, my, my sister, my twin sister, Natalie, to lupus. So, um, well, Tom was like, like a role model to me, a father figure. He was like everything to me, like, you know. He, he showed me a lot about things not to do, 
he showed me a lot about how not to be like certain other trainers and certain other fighters. They'd be acting crazy at the weigh-in. He told me that, you know, being a young man and being productive would get me far. And that's what I tried to do, but I kind of did both ways. I was kind of wild, and I like to talk smack, and I like to, you know, prove that I'm better than everybody. So he didn't like that part of me, but he would tell me to tone it down. Look, man, tone it down. Do it this way. Don't do it that way. But, you know, I still did it my way. So you talked about um, becoming a trainer yourself, and you've got the influence of Tom O'Shea, and I suppose maybe from Pat Burns with the USA Olympic team as well. Uh, you're there probably for Floyd Mayweather's last defeat to Todorov in the Olympic Games. What do you recall about that one? Well, you know, when, when Floyd gave me the opportunity to start working with his other fighters, and, I, and then I started getting good learning the game, he said, man, I'm going to bring you in the corner with me. And it blew my mind. You don't know, I went back to the locker room and cried because that was the best thing I ever heard. He's like, Nate, I want you in the corner. When he fought Baltimore, he said, Nate, this is going to be the oldest fight I went in the corner with me. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I almost pissed, pissed on myself because I was, I, I couldn't show my emotion in front of everybody, but he said that to me in the locker room. I was astounded. I was crazy. So I waited a while. I went back, I went in the bathroom, and the tear came out my mind like, wow, I'm working the corner with Mayweather. And I've been doing that for the last 10 years. He trusts me. Like, you know, when Roger died and his dad died, I knew, I mean, I'm sorry, not his dad died, I'm sorry. Roger died and his dad having a little difficulties with, with dementia. Um, I knew I would play a pivotal part if Floyd fights again, which I don't think he will. But if he do, I probably will be the head trainer because I've been in the, I've been in the gym with Roger and I've been in the gym with Big Floyd. And so them two guys are getting older, Roger's dead, Roger has passed, and his dad is getting older. So if he do do it again, which, you know, he's getting up to an age, if he decides to do it again, I will probably be the head trainer. But me and Floyd and learned the game and been in them big fights. I've been in, his, in, in the corner with Floyd the last 10 years. And it's been, you know, it's a very good learning experience. You know, I, I know everything Floyd does. I watch his son. I watch him more than anyone. I watch his feet. I watch the small mistakes that people don't even see. I'm like, Floyd, you got to sit down when you, see, when you throw your body shots. Nobody in the gym don't notice that, but I pay attention to the smallest details of Floyd because he make a, he make very few mistakes. So the, the, the mistakes are few, so you got to watch him. You got to pay attention when he bends his back too much. I let him know about that. But Floyd is, you know, has been very instrumental in me as a professional trainer. And he's the reason that I, I feel like I am the best because – Learning from him is learning from that family, the Roger, the Mayweathers, and Floyd, and Big Roger, Roger, and Floyd Senior, and just learning the game. I learned a lot from Floyd, and he's the reason that I I can say I'm great because me and him changed my life. And uh, which fights stand out to you? Like maybe this side of the pond, we we recall the. Uh... You know, the, the Hatton fight, the Pacquiao fight, the even the Conor McGregor fight was such a huge deal here in Ireland, uh, considering he comes from Dublin, same place as uh, Tom O'Shea. But yeah. which which might stand out to you as being uh, memorable? Well, if you look at the the Hatton fight, when, when Floyd hit him with the check hook and he fell down, I, he fell in the corner, our corner, and you see me jump right up. After after, after he hit Hatton with the hook, I'm right there. 
And when Floyd landed the hook, I jumped straight up. And um, that was very memorable to me because Hatton, that Hatton fight was very, very explosive. It, it was a big um, up, upcoming to the fight. It was Everybody was there. I mean, I seen it was so many people there. And another fight that got me that, that I felt that was very that was very big to me and very instrumental to me was the Madonna yeah. and the uh, Holly and the Zap Judah. Them four fights was very instrumental to to Floyd's career. And I, I've been in this corner for the last 10 years. So I've been all the fights and I'm, they all meant something to me. They all, it was very it was very big to, to be in that moment with Floyd because I was a little nervous and worried, but I just followed his lead and did what I had to do, and we came out with the win. Can I ask, Nate, why didn't uh, Floyd ever fight uh, De La Hoya again, do you think? I don't know. I don't... Um, I mean, I, I, I think we clearly beat him. I don't think we had to. I mean, if the fight would have been very, very close, the fight would have been done, it could have been done again, but... I didn't think he had to. I, I didn't, me personally, I didn't think he had to. The fight wasn't that close to me that he had to. I think Floyd clearly won the fight. Now, um, the Madonna fights, I like. I like those fights. That was very interesting. I'm glad he fought him twice. I'm glad he proved he beat him. He beat him clear the first time. The um 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 what's the um he fought he fought him twice. Casimir, not Casimir. Yeah. Jose, uh, Jose Luis Castillo, yeah, he fought twice. Castillo, Castillo, he fought him twice. And I'm glad he did that again because the first one didn't look that good, but he won. And the second one, he clearly did what he had to do. So, you know, I, I, I don't think he needed to fight Oscar again. It would have proved nothing. He would have made a lot more money, but a little money, he didn't have to do it. Can I ask you something? Uh, I, I, actually, before we were over talking about Floyd's career, what did you think of uh, Conor McGregor's chances before he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather? And what did you think of his performance for being a professional boxing novice at the time? Well, I actually wanted. I well, Floyd don't know this. You know, I got a call from Conor McGregor people to work his corner for that fight, and I hung up on him. They offered me a million and a half dollars or whatever I wanted. I hung up on him. I said, 100%. I got a call from them. I got a call from Martel Griffin. Like, man, so people want to holler at you, Nate. And I'm McGregor people. And they called me. I picked up the phone. I'm like, what's up? They was like, man, he interested in you being in the corner. We'll pay you a million and a half dollars or whatever, whatever you want. If that's not whatever you want, mention what you want. And I hung up. Going into that McGregor fight, though, I'm going to say this much. When I would see McGregor, he was bigger than what I thought. He was longer than what I thought. He was he was bigger than Floyd, and I was worried about that. Cause you can see through his long structure, he was heavy-handed. He looked at the way he was built. I can tell you the punch. As you can tell he was heavy-handed. I was kind of very, very worried about that fight because I I didn't know what to expect from MMA to boxing, but he was he was bigger than what I expected. But actually, I was the guy when, don't you know, when, when Floyd wraps his hands, they send a representative to watch us to make sure we're not doing anything illegal and vice versa. When McGregor wrapped his hands, they sent a, we sent a, a representative, which was me. 
I sit there and watch McGregor get his hands wrapped. And I've never seen someone so nervous in my life. That's what part of the fight that shocked me the most. Because going into the fight, the media, the, like, like, you know, the promotions and all that, McGregor was talking about a smack. But at the locker room, when it was time to fight, getting ready to fight, he was getting his hands wrapped. He was very shook. He went to the washroom room six times. Six times. I'm like, what is wrong with this dude? And he left his cup. <laughs> and um, he just kept looking at me, and he kept going to the washroom. But he was very shook for that fight. Um, going into the fight, I just thought I was very, I was kind of worried. I knew Floyd would, by him not being a boxer, I was worried of the unknown, what he brought to the table and his size. I was worried about that. But we handled him well. We chopped him down. We stopped him, and we won. But I was worried going into the fight. Did you have any conversation with him backstage? And did you ever at any stage, I suspect I know the answer, but did you ever think about taking the mill and a half? I suppose blood is, you know, f f friendship Man, is loyal. You know, you know Montel Griffin called me back and said, Nate, you look dumb. And what the fuck is wrong with you, man? I said, what? He said, Nate, the people are serious, man. It's about your life, your career. Make a better move for yourself, Nate. I said, no, nah, I'm not disloyal like that. Uh, I said, Montel, I don't do things like that. That's my friend. And I hung up. He said, man, you got to be one of the dumbest dudes I've ever met. And I, he hung up on me. And I said, okay. Yeah. You know. Did you ever tell Floyd about that, no? He don't know about it. He don't know about it. He will see him. My Joe Griffin, though, to this day, I never had a chance to bring it to Floyd. Because, but I didn't, so I didn't do it. So I never brought it up to him, though. But I think I would have. I think I will. When I, I'm going to Vegas in, in the next couple of weeks. I'm going out there and talk to him about some things. I'm going to let him know about that, but I never, I never, never talked to him about it. Do you think he should fight again? Um, he, he might. He looks when he, when you see him boxing, he looks like he's got a bit more in the tank. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, I hope you know. I mean, if he fights again, I hope he should be not one of them young boys. I don't want him to fight Earl Spence. I mean, I think he's he just getting up in age now. If he fights someone, he can. I can see him fighting Pacquiao again because they both in the same age bracket. Pacquiao like forty four, like forty two, forty three. That can happen, but that that'll be about the only him. And one chance I would like either that fight or I think you we will play with um, Mikey Garcia. Them the two fights that if you do fight, I'm with. I don't want him to fight Earl Spence. I don't want him to fight Jermaine. I see. I can see him beating Crawford, but if he don't do it like tomorrow, he can't. He can't take it six, seven months if he's gonna fight. He, he hopefully he's retired. I hope. I, if you do it one more time, I would love to be a part of it because, of course, I would be in the corner with him, and I I will have to be a part of it because I will I I will I will want to be there and I want to be in charge and. And do my part, and like, cause I know Floyd like a book. So if he fights again, you gotta do it real. You gotta do it real soon. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can I ask you something else that links uh, two men and two influential men in your life? Um, so Don King, your, your promoter as a professional boxer, uh, is it correct that he paid for the, the funeral of a close relative of yours yourself? And you see now Floyd Mayweather offering to pay for the funeral of George Floyd, mm-hmm. and he, he he did put up money for I think for the funerals of Gennaro Hernandez and Joe Fraser and mm-hmm. puts on these acts. Um, can you talk to me about what happened with King uh, with Don King and how that came about? Well, um, I was um, I lost my mom. My mom died on Mother's Day. Sorry. Yeah. After Marquez fight, um, I'm waiting for, you know, I'm in, I'm in Vegas. I'm waiting on Floyd to hand me my check. So, you know, he, he called me one day. I was, I was in Vegas an extra week after the fight. So, my family members called me and was like, man, they, when are you coming home? But I thought they was doing it because they wanted to ask me for money when I got a check from Floyd. I said, I'll be home in a couple of days, man. I'm just give me a plane. I'm give me a plane ticket party tomorrow. And I'll let you know what day I'll be home. She said, Nate, you gotta come home now. And um my mom had colon cancer, but held it from us and we didn't know. And my mom had a week to live. I didn't know that. So my sister, I'm I'm at the gym, Floyd called me, said, Nate, meet me at the gym, I got your check. So I go to the gym, get my check. I look at it, it was big, it was big, it was better than what it was there. I'm like, man, thank you, Floyd. Right after that, my phone rang. It's my sister saying, hey, will you come home? I said, man, I'll be home in a minute. I'm thinking she's going to ask me for some money. She said, you got to come home now. I'm like, what you mean I got to come home now? She said, Nate, mom about to die. Mom got a week to live. I'm like, what you say? And Floyd was right there. He was like, hey. I said, Floyd, I got a car. I ran home back. I ran back to the back to the hotel, packed my clothes. I bought me a flight that that second. I jumped on the plane. I've been calling like eight hundred dollars. I jumped on the plane. I came home. I go to Northwestern Hospital. And I find out my mom had a week to live. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? And then doctors showed me the graphics of her cancer that took over. But I'm like, mom, you didn't tell us we had cancer. She said, no, I didn't tell no one. I'm like, mom. So I just left out the hospital. I was I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear what the doctor was saying. So I came back like an hour later. I got me a cup of coffee downstairs in the cafeteria. I came back. I said, Mom, what are you talking about? She said, man, I got a week to live. 
sitting up there like Mayweather, like keeping the fight for the title. I'm like, what is she looking so strong, man? I'm like, man, why was what's wrong? I'm like, why would you say anything? Where's the layup? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, 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 yeah. With the layup. And so I wanted to spend Mother's Day with her. I'm like, you know, she that it was May third, May sixth, they fought Mayweather. By May tenth, my mom was there. He fought he fought on Margarita. Whatever his name is, um, Marquez. So when I came home, May 6th, three days later, my mom died on Mother's Day. So that Mother's Day, I got up early in the morning. I said, I'm going to spend Mother's Day with my mom. I went to Walden. I bought some um, cards, balloons. I was going to spend the whole day with her. It was like 8 in the morning. And I got to Northwestern. They violated my parking ticket. I walked to the elevator. My phone rang. It's my sister. She was upstairs. She said, Nate, mine just died. So I didn't even go upstairs. I just got back in my car. And I looked up. I was in Indiana. I didn't know how I got in Indiana. I was doing two miles an hour on the express. I was doing like real slow on the expressway. And the police pulled me over. Like, what is wrong? What's wrong with you, man? And I explained to him. I was crying. I said, I just lost my mom. He said, man. He said, brother, pull up to the side. He said, look at your hotel room, man. Don't be messy. Don't mess up, man. He said, I'm sorry to hear that. He didn't give me a ticket. And I'm here. I turn around. I'm like, How, what I'm doing in Indiana? I turn around, and my phone rings. It's Floyd. He said, because he knew I had left. I just gave him my check. I rushed home. He said, Nate, how are your mom? Everything going? How your mom doing? I said, she just left Floyd. I mean, we both cried on the phone about two hours, and it was just a crazy night, man. I lost my mom. I lost my mom on Mother's Day, 2010. That's heartbreaking. I'm sorry yeah, for your loss. My father died on the 4th of July, 1987. Uh, he died of a brain hemorrhage. You know, he was. My father lost his leg. He started getting a, being a part of our life. Me and my sister I had a twin sister. While I was in the Olympics, my twin sister was dying. Of lupus, but no one would tell me. I didn't know that they, they wouldn't mention in the newspaper. My sister was on her deathbed while I'm in Atlanta. No one, I didn't know. I just know every time I would call home and talk to my mom, I'm like, man, what Nelly? And she, Nelly, mom, she go, oh, she just went to the store, or she just went here, and she, oh, she just missed, she just missed it. My sister was dying. I didn't know that. So Chicago sometime that flew my mom down. Because they knew the situation. And they said, well, we go down there. We're going to pay for your plane ticket. We're going to pay for your hotel room. Just tell your son that, you know, explain to him what happens. You, I mean, like, what what was going on? Don't you know that, that, that my mom came down and let me know after I, after I won the law, she was going to wait to the right moment to bring it to my, to my attention that my sister was about to, she was going to pull a plug on my sister. Because... My sister woke up the same day I won my medal. Is that crazy? Woke up. Woke up out of a coma the same day I won my medal. The day I got they made the money opening ceremony, the money ceremony, my sister woke up. And she saw it. She did the news. She she didn't know. So when I came back to the Chicago, they made me they greet me at the hotel at at, at the airport at O'Hare Airport with my sister in the wheelchair. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like I knew she had lupus. I know she was sick then. I'm like, what's wrong? She was like, man, brother, you just don't know. All my friends like, Nate, we couldn't tell you, brother. 
what sister's there, and they, I'm like, what? I'm like, mom. She's like, yeah, man. That's why they flew me down to, to let me let me eventually tell you. But she woke up that morning that you was going to get your medal. She came out of a coma. I'm like, what? So it was crazy. You must have felt like the luckiest guy in Chicago that day. Uh, Michael Jordan eat your heart out. Yes, yes. It was crazy. Michael Jordan went in that. He went, he went in the Olympics I was in. Scotty, I met Scotty, I met Shaquille O'Neal. I'm in opening ceremony. Shaquille O'Neal tried to jump on my back. <laughs> Gary Payton was sitting there, everybody. He was Nate Jones. And I was sitting there, everybody. I was Gary Payton. Like, they were like, what sport you do? I said, I'm Gary Payton. I'm on the basketball team. I'm Nate Jones. I'm the boxer. So we were just having fun. It was crazy. It was yeah. one of the most beautiful experience. The opening ceremony, the closing ceremony was like the, the most beautiful thing I remember in the Olympics. I remember watching those. Muhammad Ali light the torch when his hands were shaking. Yeah. I started crying then. And I seen his hands shaking. It touched me. And the day I won my medal, I was getting my medal, and they was playing the national anthem. And I'm like, they're playing the national anthem to me. It made me feel bad, special. Like, like they're playing that because I'm from my name, because of me. And I hear my brother screaming, because Chicago sometimes threw my mom down. They also threw my brother with her to be supporting and help her get around because mom was kind of had back problems and all that. So I hear my brother, that's my brother, that's my brother. I look up, I see, I look up the balcony and I see my brother crying and that's how I start, I shed a tear like, man, wow, I'm getting a fucking medal, man. How did I get, how did I really talk myself to, to, to this, to, to be existence? How did I talk this stuff? I talked it to to the, to the truth, I with one of Browns, I, I didn't, I didn't, I talked to it, but I didn't realize I could really do it, and I did it. What did Tom O'Shea think of it afterwards? How did he react? Was he there with you during the Olympics? He must oh, he was there. Yeah, he was in Atlanta. He, they, he flew down. He was there. Man, he was so happy. He was the happiest guy in the world, man. He was proud. Out of all the fighters, I'm the only one that made the Olympic team. A lot of guys almost did. Patrick Bruce, Rodney Wilson, who's married to his daughter, Colette. Ronnie's married to his daughter, Colette. And they almost, they came close to Terry McGroom, Anthony Stewart. But no one ever made the team. And I was the only one to make the team. And I was the only, I'm was i the only guy in the history of Chicago boxing to come home with a medal in boxing. No one's ever, ever medaled but me in the history of the Olympics. There's no born Chicagoan that has a medal in boxing but Nate Jones. And when I, when I heard that, and someone told someone told me that, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. And so um, that was, I was proud of having that accomplishment. I'm the only yeah. one that had that, so I was very proud of that. And it could it could have all been so different because I see there's a big scar on your arm. Was is that from a stab wound or a gunshot wound? And I saw Thomas Shea saying that he lost. I think it was in '96. He was interviewed before he went to the Olympics, and he said he lost 11 boxers. They were all killed in the streets and stuff. Oh, yeah. and, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of tragedy, a lot of death and destruction around you, but you managed to come out the right side of it thanks to some of the relationships you made and the friendships you formed. So yeah, congratulations. It was my mom. My mom had a foot on my neck. She wasn't gonna let me mess my life up, and um, and I wanted to be somebody. I didn't want to be. I seen all the uh, other guys. I I looked that was older than me, in my projects, and I looked up to them. I respected them, but. I wanted to be special in another way. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted my name to mean more than just what it could have meant by being on the block with the guys. And 
that wasn't me, even though I was a part of that a little bit. But I really wanted more. I wanted to be. I wanted to be special. I wanted to be like Olympian. I really wanted to be someone with a good name. I didn't want to be you no. Know, I didn't. I wanted to be special. I wanted to win a medal. I wanted to do something big. I didn't want to be uh, a, 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 a non-success story. I wanted to make it out of the projects. I wanted to become because it inspired me to see the things around me. I, want, I wanted to make it out of the projects. I wasn't going to be a guy that was sitting on the block drinking liquor every day. I didn't want to be a guy smoking marijuana. I didn't want to be a guy that was chewing dope or smoking crack. I wanted more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.